What's up? Welcome to episode two of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Matt Mueller, Brandon Davis. Say hello to the people. What up, peoples? Hello. Ah. People. What was that? <laughs> I'm just, I said, I, what up, peoples? Because I wanted to be first. Almost just flinched. You owe me two. Oh, my goodness. That's fair. Okay. Now that we've met everybody once again, this week we're going to be talking a little bit of Marvel, a little bit of DC, and then we're going to go deep into some WWE, and we are going to mount a defense of comic book culture itself. So that's going to be really exciting for that. Stay tuned. Heroes of the culture. Us. <laughs> I thought it was Joe Budden for a minute. Okay. We're moving on. <laughs> First up, we've gotten word that Disney and Marvel are making plans for their Disney Plus streaming service, and they're bringing a lot of new Marvel and Star Wars TV shows, some high-profile projects, to the service. And now we've heard that they're going to be, quote-unquote, spending generously to make these shows. And this kind of just brings up a general discussion point that we've been wondering since we first heard that Disney Plus is going to be taking over these kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe and big Star Wars TV shows, which is, what does spending generously like mean for Disney? Are these going to be TV shows that can actually stand up to the Marvel movies and Star Wars movies? Or do we expect them to still be kind of TV budgeted, you know, projects? It's different in this case. I mean, we've had broadcast versions of Marvel shows. We've had Marvel on streaming services like Netflix or Hulu. But we've never seen what happens when Disney's putting these things out in-house for their streaming service that they are building for to be this kind of Netflix killer. And... They're bringing in official actors from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch or Tom Hiddleston's Loki or uh, Paul Bettany's Vision, I believe. And so they're getting the official actors. And now we have to kind of create the same aesthetic as the movie, right? Yeah. Like, we got to, that ups the demand. You can't have Scarlet Witch in a bad wig for the TV show <laughs> and like just flinging her arms around and like I mean you can that's called show. Inhumans. Oh, oh wow. Oh. <laughs> so bad. Inhumans. Uh, RIP. But getting back to the serious question, do you think they're going to be producing TV shows that are on the exact level of their movies? Yes. Yeah. I mean I don't see that big of a difference between production value from the Netflix shows to the movies. I see the disconnection in story, but I don't... I mean, they at the same time, these shows haven't demanded the scale of production, I guess. They're not going cosmic. They're not requiring tremendous visual effects. They're not doing anything totally crazy in that regard. I guess Iron Fist could have benefited from maybe a little bit of a bigger budget with some of those things. Well, let's but, just put this out here. There is a reason, like, these Netflix shows, every single season has one where the hero doesn't leave, like, a single <laughs> setting or a, or a ridiculous New York apartment that nobody could ever afford. That's called and the every, budget. Yeah, that's so. called the budget, just so <laughs> sure. we're clear. And, like, but, Iron Fist had one dramatic showdown episode that was a dinner party in season two where a bunch of rivals got together and had dinner in Chinatown, and that was, like, the drama. So there are budget tricks that they've kind of... That's sure, like when music videos do the artist thing. against, like, a wall for the entire video, and you're yeah. like, oh, they're out of the budget. Yep, ran <laughs> out of the money. Yeah. Like, well, I, I, th I mean, if you're doing a Loki series, people will immediately identify if it's cheaper because we've been trained to see him cinematically. So Yeah, and that's kind I, of my question. So, but maybe they're going to be smarter than Netflix in not stretching this to 13 episodes just for the sake of stretching it to 13 episodes. What if you give it the same budget Netflix gives these 13-episode series, but do it in eight episodes? 
Or six, I would say. Or six, yeah. even six episodes. You get six hours of Loki. I don't know how much story we even have to tell with Loki. Six hours seems like enough at this point. That's the one I'm least excited about. Listen, I love Tom Hiddleston and I do enjoy Loki, but like he's been in. Yeah, he's just it's just he's, has he been? I mean, he's got the most he, extent, biggest yeah. extension of life out of everybody in the Marvel Cinematic ha, Universe. Has he been so. in more movies? I might be wrong, but this, I feel like this is a possibility. Has he been in more movies than Tony Stark? Oh, I don't know. He's I, been I, in I, Thor, I Thor two, Thor three, the first Avengers, the f- third Avengers. He was in. Is that it? Is that all of them? Yeah. I think that's and then I mean, you have Tony Stark so, and three yeah. Iron Mans and three Avengers. Okay, so Spider-Man Tony Stark is in more. And, yeah. But like Loki is the cosmic Tony Stark, I guess. I don't know. He's been in so many things. I mean, he's Tony Stark of villains. For there's sure. so many. Yeah, he's the most popular villain. He kind of he's kind of responsible for the MCU, the Avengers success. Because if you don't have a great villain in the first Avengers, you don't have a great movie. And he's great, I think. And like obviously Thanos was the bigger villain, but you don't have a great. But the spotlight was on Loki for that. If you have a Steppenwolf yeah. in the first Avengers, you don't get the Avengers. You get That's Justice true. League. Yeah. What about, I think Star Wars is kind of an easier case to cut because all you need is some kind of exterior visual effects shots for, you know, the space stuff. And then you can do a lot of interior set stuff for any Star Wars, you know, just make something look pretty sci-fi, give somebody a laser blaster that's not hard to kind of animate or do anymore. And I'm pretty sure we'll keep major aerial space dogfights to a minimum until the show's like a little bit established but i feel like it's easier to trick to pull to star wars also because we've never really had a star wars live action show so we yeah. don't necessarily have the Anything same expectation to? yeah There's well no i mean because like for this. if you're if it comes out let's say the loki project for instance comes out and looks like agents of shield agents of shield is a step down yeah oh so yeah. if it comes out looking like that I will be disappointed. But also, what is really a generous sum of money to Disney? Yeah, I like know. I'd love to, because like Netflix is spending what thirteen billion spent thirteen billion in twenty eighteen on original content. That's the thing. Is what I, is that I, to Disney? I, 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 I was trying for the longest to figure out how does Netflix stay in business with how much money they spent. I don't understand. But they spend so much money. They have, I mean, I don't know their subscriber number off the top of my head. I don't even know if that's public information. But they make that money back. And if Disney is going to compete with that, which they are, yeah. they're going to compete with Netflix. They want to be this Netflix killer is what people are saying. They're going to come out and blow us away. I think they're not, or they're going to try to. If the if the storylines suck, then that's one other story. But I, production value is going to be there. There's no way they come out, they skimp on any of this. This is going to be stuff that's going to be like, wow, this is... And they already they know they have to compete with what we already saw on Netflix, so they're going to knock that out. There's yeah. no way. So whether it's Bucky and Falcon or Scarlet Witch and Vision or Loki or whatever else we might get that is finally actually fully connected to the MCU or it's Star Wars and the Mandalorian or whatever else we see in the Star Wars universe, they're not going to skimp. The costumes, the effects, I think everything is going to be cinematic quality, at least at first. Yeah. Until if, the, if it doesn't work... Then maybe they'll be like, eh, maybe but I mean, also those characters lend back. themselves to this format. I mean, Falcon, yes, I mean he's flying, but like everything is very grounded with those characters for the most part. Like, yes, Scarlet Witch uses magic, but as we've seen in the movies, it's not every second, right? She's she's doing other things. It's not like I'm doing, doing, doing a plan, show hey, like just like she could have a mime scene. Yeah, and, you know, we're there. So let me ask you this before we move on. I know <laughs> yeah. Kofi probably wants to move on. Of all the titular heroes, like the the A list. MCU heroes, if they if it meant they couldn't get another movie, but you could get a series from them, bumping into my mic here, uh, who, which of those heroes? I so mean, Captain America for me for sure. You like to see Captain America? I'd like to see Doctor Strange. 
No, I would see Captain America and just kind of like a military, like a better version of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I would watch Captain America in, in anything. So I would say that probably be my pick as well. But I just would love to see Doctor Strange because I think that could just uh, six hours of Doctor Strange could expand to the hey, MCU. It worked for Sherlock, man. Bring in s- it worked for Sherlock. <laughs> Can I get a Groot series? No. No. On that note, moving right That's along, the nail. let's just jump universes because Matt ruined this one to uh, DC because we have some major official news for the Batman for the first time in a long time. So basically what we've heard is that the Batman now has a release date But the bigger news I think we're going to be talking about here is that we finally got an answer to this big casting question that's been hanging over the DC movie universe about whether or not Ben Affleck will be returning for another outing as Batman. And we found out that he won't be. He's gone. Bat Affleck is done. It's over. His legacy will now be set in stone as Batman v Superman in Justice League, which is... uh, And a cameo. It's kind of like the Andrew Garfield, Amazing Spider-Man route to superhero movie stardom, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's going to be recast with a new actor. Uh, This Batman movie, we had details before hearing all this. We had details earlier in the week that said kind of what the nature of this next Batman movie will be. It won't necessarily be titled The Batman, like we've all been calling it for like two years now. (laughs) Um, But it will be kind of a noir detective story. Director Matt Reeves is interested in telling that kind of tale. And now we know we are getting a new Batman. So, I mean, we actually may in another timeline have had a discussion about this in an alternate universe (laughs) timeline where we were discussing, you know, whether or not to recast Ben Affleck as Batman and what the challenges of that were. And I think we were discussing also now, what does that mean for this solo film? Is it connected in any way to the films that came before in the DCEU and the Snyder era? Or do you have to start fresh and just kind of make it its own thing in a standalone? Or is it going to be a prequel that's set before the events of Batman v Superman? We didn't really have an answer for like what was best in that necessarily. But I think we were all ready for at this point like a kind of a fresh start, right? Yeah. In that, in that same alternate timeline. Someone might have said that it wouldn't matter if they recast the role and that they would just get a clean start. And that person in that other timeline this has been proven right. That person has been proven right because this is a, as clean a start as you get. They rewrote the script, right? There's no trace of Affleck on this project anymore. His previous vision, he's not going to star in it. Do we know that? It. I mean, that was the previous report, right? That Reeves started from scratch on that script. So no more Deathstroke and all that stuff got thrown out with the bathwater, from what I understand. So this is a complete, clean break. I'm bummed because I am a Batflex supporter. So I that. like Batflex. I will say that for the record, I was too. I thought he would like, I feel about Superman. I feel that the people in these roles were not the issue. It was the... The uh, the vehicle that they were put in did them a disservice. I, I think if you put Affleck or let him direct that movie that he wanted to make, I think it would have changed a lot of people's minds about yeah, it. It would just, remove some stigmas. Let's just take a like a throwback memory here to the fact that at one point we were all jazzed because Ben Affleck was, you know, Oscar winning director Ben Affleck was going to star in and direct 
and write Oscar-winning writer, <laughs> screenwriter Ben Affleck was also going to write. This was going to be like the creator-driven project. Yes. And the irony is now that the DC movie franchise is heavily a creator-driven kind of standalone vision it's gone. type universe. <laughs> and somehow, like a, like a bad pachinko machine, Ben Affleck managed to bounce all the way down through this thing <laughs> and not like land on any of the slots and just come out the bottom. I think that's the best analogy yeah. ever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of crazy just how far this whole thing has kind of swung. I mean, yeah, I don't know how to process. BD, take over here. Look, man, I, there, I'm a huge fan of Ben Affleck as Batman, so I'm kind of bummed to see him go. But I'll tell you why, to answer all of your questions about should they do a prequel of Young Batman, should it be connected, should it be disconnected, why I don't care about any of those answers. And that's because Matt Reeves. I think Matt Reeves is going to make an awesome movie. Look at this guy's resume. Find a movie that I don't like. You can't. Uh, and most recently, War for the Planet of the Apes, I thought it was an absolute home run. Before that, I was a huge Cloverfield fan. So, And, and he's made other movies that I've really enjoyed. A noir movie about Batman, the character that first debuted in Detective Comics. Like, When have we seen... Batman be a true detective. He's figured stuff out, and Batman vs. Superman, he kind of like did a little bit of that. And in previous outings, like with Christian Bale in The Dark Knight, we've seen versions of him finding answers and doing things like that. We haven't seen a true detective movie with Batman. So I'm super excited to get to Batman's roots, and I'm sure Matt Reeves is going to find ways to innovate this for modern technology for today's world, if that's where it's set, when it, or when it's set. He's going to find ways to incorporate the fact that a lot of this is going to be Batman at a keyboard, Batman swiping through touchscreens and doing different things and going all CSI on it. Not quite Horatio from CSI Miami with his one-liner parody-like puns, <laughs> but I think you screen. can really get some really cool stuff that Matt Reeves is going to tap into, and I really think it's going to be the closest thing to like that raw, gritty feeling that Christopher Nolan gave us, but with touches of comic book tr like homage, because there's going to be a rogue gallery. When I picture Rogue Gallery, I picture what they did on the CW with The Flash, man. They have embraced comic book roots on The Flash, and I hope that Matt Reeves finds a balance between going crazy with Batman villains, like, I don't know, King Shark or something crazy. And I don't want King Shark to be the villain of Batman, <laughs> but like that type of, that type of, you know, crazy, wonky comic book aspect, but also finding a way to ground it in a gritty, raw, Dark Knight tone. The only person who's done it is Christopher Nolan, and I know Matt Reeves is going to do something awesome with it. But that. like, to get off film school, but like, yeah, I mean, the history of detective noir movies are rooted basically a detective walking around and going to interview people who are freaky or eccentric or weird. I mean, that's how a lot of weird-looking people in the '40s got work. <laughs> I mean, at yeah, Warner Brothers yeah. more so than a lot of other places because Warner Brothers leaned so heavily into film noir, and like, yeah, that's what it is. It's like. Film noir is supposed to be a world of freaks and like weird people and kind of crazy, you know, demented people. And we've heard Chinatown thrown around as a kind of association for what this movie could be. And that certainly is what Chinatown is. It's Jack Nicholson riding around in L.A. kind of coming up against these weird people and seeing some real dark stuff and <laughs> nastiness. And but there's already a, a blueprint. Underbelly. Yeah, there's so, already a blueprint for this. I was though. just saying, like, throwing Gotham City and the Rogues on top of that is, yeah. is not a hard stretch. Arkham City. Do, yeah. do half of Arkham City and the parts that Arkham Knight got right, that was all you did. You literally played the detective aspects of Batman in a rogues gallery, in a noir setting, but with technology as a benefit, but you still felt like he had to do something. You still felt like it wasn't 
one click and I find all the answers. Like you, that's not interesting yeah, to solving watch. Solving like those rooms and yeah, gather mystery. But he used like, all his tech and gadgets. Like just do that. If you give me a half, if you do half as much as what I thought Arkham City did, I'm gold. Like you're good with me. I don't, I don't set the bar crazy high. You can do that. It would be crazy if like a Batman movie actually had like a mystery and a reveal and a twist. Yeah. And, Things you didn't see coming, but Batman was smart enough to figure out, like stuff like that. That'd be nuts. Yep. Copy the Black Panther formula a little bit. Put a crazy plot twist at the end that goes deep into uh, the past. I mean, yeah, like I, I would love to see something like that. I think Matt Reeves is going to do something like that. I mean, it's coming in 2021. That's only two years away. Like, and this is going to be a trilogy. Like, or or they said there's the word was it's going to be a trilogy mm -hmm. of films from Matt Reeves that he was developing a trilogy. I hope that is true, and I really hope that this is an origin story. I'm not going to lie. I want to see you another. You want an origin? I want don't. an origin oh, story. Okay. I okay. don't mind seeing <sighs> elements Ooh. of stuff we've already seen. That's a hot I want, take. I want an origin story. I want to see how this. We're all familiar with Batman. Yeah, we're all familiar with Wonder Woman, but. When you introduce a character on the big screen, you have to show us where this character came but from. But he's been introduced, like, how many times do I, I have to see the yeah. pearls and the gun and two parents One die? One more time. I, I think, don't want to see that. <laughs> I want to just see the re the origin referenced in relation to whatever this new story is. Kind of how Homecoming did it, very subtly without really getting too heavy, but you saw the effects of the origin story and you knew it. You knew there was a subtle hint of, you know, Uncle Ben being gone. I'd like a little bit powers. more. I'd like a little bit more. We'll leave it to the fandom. Leave it really to this well. fandom. Discuss that. We got a little bit of time left. Let me ask you a couple questions. Do you think Ben Affleck should get a chance to show up in a DC movie somewhere down the line in some other form, whether it's like a Kingdom Come movie or a Batman Beyond movie where he's an older kind of Batman, or do you think it's, it's just done and it's over and the dream is dead? No, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan should. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that. I mean, nothing against Ben Affleck. I just, I, I really enjoyed him as Batman, but it's already a convoluted enough universe, both on screen and behind the scenes. So don't confuse the general audience with, hey, this guy used to be Batman is now someone else. I personally think he doesn't want it. I think he's done with like it's, superhero more like, like this was, was such worse. a headache for him yeah. this whole time yeah. i think he's done sad bad sad <laughs> at ben affleck you will live on forever who was a better meme sad affleck or kevin foggy next to amy pascal i would say sad <laughs> affleck. Sad affleck. Sad yeah. affleck yeah but but that's a great okay one. final question do you guys want this josh gad penguin thing to happen I trust Matt Reeves. That's not a real question. That's not a Thank real you. question. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. No, nobody, we should, nobody needs to worry about this at this point. <laughs> Let's find out who the new Batman is going to be and just try to make it through that process. Because if DC movie casting has taught us anything, wow, the internet's going to be on fire for days afterwards and whatever they announce. So uh, strap in for that. Stay tuned now because we're going to... Get back after this. We're going to get into some deep dive discussion about the merits of comic books as art. Oh, that too. And we're also going to talk about some wrestling. Wrestling! Wrestling. <laughs> they took our germs. Okay, yeah. so. South Park reference. <laughs> let me just put out this disclaimer first and say, you know, here at comicbook.com, we do things in all things geek culture. And if you're an 80s kid like I am, then, you know, we have this debate sometimes. But if you're an 80s kid like I am, then wrestling was always part of the culture, too. Like, I grew up in the 80s and was a 90s high school kid. And I read comics and fantasy books and, you know, knew what was going on in the WWF at the same time. And it was all part of one rich tapestry. And we have a great team of uh, WWE 
reporters here and we do some great coverage and uh so we're going to take you guys who are wrestling fans through the latest big event in wwe which was the royal rumble royal rumble and uh you know matt's going to lead this discussion for us because he is a hardcore wrestling fan along with producer jim viscardi and uh loosely i would say uh brandon davis over there is probably like a fair weather where fair weather i'm being persuaded i'm being i've been in and out i grew up a gigantic wrestling fan my dream was to be a wrestler and then okay, hold on. We're not. We'll yeah, get into we'll get, in, yeah, no, we'll get into you in a minute. But, but, I'm but in, like, no, but I'm saying I'm just establishing my credibility here. Okay. I'm in and out. I've been in and out. After after growing up a wrestling fan, I kind of faded out of it. And then for the past like 15 years, I've gone in and out. And recently, for the past few months, I've been slowly really getting back into it. So that's where I'm at with wrestling. So right. can, I, can I get my wrestling now? DC? Oh, yeah, okay. can, tell, like, tell, me, tell me where you're from. When I was five. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Let, let's just move on. I'm gonna be for those of you who, for those of you who don't regularly check out wrestling, I will be standing in for you. I don't check in on it as much anymore, and I'll just be asking the questions to help uh, frame all this madness. So, Matt, take us through the Royal Rumble. What happened? What was noteworthy? Like, what was cool? Okay, so uh, most people who are listening to this about WWE are familiar with the Royal Rumble, but just in case, the biggest thing is one of the four big shows of WWE. Like, Is that a wrestler Mania. or an event? No, I'm just kidding. I know the big show. Really? See? Why? <laughs> Why do you do this? So uh, Royal Rumble is known uh, for having this giant match where 30 of the WWE superstars come down every 90 seconds. A bunch of them get in the ring, and whoever lasts the longest and gets the other last wrestler over the ropes wins. And they win a chance, a match, at WrestleMania. So it's got, like, stakes... And it's just fun. And typically, WWE brings all these like old stars, classic stars, new people that they sign, and they debut. Them. So it's like Not this year. It's one of the best ones. Not this year, which is true. <laughs> so I have a few, uh, like essentially, like my wins and losses of it. So I'm gonna just do a couple of each. Okay. However, I'm calling them the wins are called Laparkas because Laparka is a great wrestler, and you should go look him up because he's fantastic. And he wears a skeleton costume, which you would like. I oh, feel like you would like for some a Fortnite skin. That's accurate. That scans. Boom, yeah, exactly. That scans. Uh, and then my Hall of Lame, which is the bad ones, and we will get to those, too. So, uh, top one, though. And you watch, too, so whenever you like hear a thing of, like, oh, I saw that, or whatever, chime in. Okay. Chime in. Right. So, Same with you, Comic Book, Pod, Comic Book Nation. Hello. Let us know on Twitter. Exactly, yes. I do want to hear all these on Twitter, like if you got thoughts, whatever. Uh, so first one though is who actually won the Rumble, which gets a which Rumble? Parka. Both. I like Ooh. both winners, so the men and women. So of course, the in spectacular fashion, Becky Lynch took the victory in the women's Royal Rumble, and then Seth Rollins took the victory in the men's. Mm. But the one that had the most like uh, ruckus around it, like the most hype, was the women's because earlier in the pay per view, Becky Lynch lost to Asuka. So she lost a match, and then because Lana went down with a injury, fake injury, Becky Lynch was able to come in at like the last minute. Lana sold it though. I was crying I for her. I thought you said this thing had stakes. It did have stakes. It's got stakes because Becky Lynch now gets a Rocky match story. at WrestleMania, and the next night at Raw challenged Ronda Rousey to that match. So now, hopefully, it's just going to be them two. I don't want Charlotte. But hopefully it's going to be them two going against each other at WrestleMania. Resulting in the only Ronda Rousey promo I've ever enjoyed. There we go. See? But uh, listen, I, I am a huge Becky Lynch fan. I am like sold on Becky Lynch. I think she's great. She is, she is enough to make me watch a wrestling event alone now. I think that like, that's, there's no, I don't think there's a male superstar there right now 
a current like generation male superstar that could make me want to watch Monday Night Raw. Becky Lynch. If they tell me Becky, I'm I'm sold on Becky. Yeah, Lynch. Yeah, you're watching. And the women's division, I think, is so much stronger than the men's. That that women's rumble was better than the men's rumble. Oh, hands by down. By far. Yes. By far, Agreed. it was way better. Hands down. Yeah. Absolutely. And they did it without. And this will also this will actually get a hall of lame because the only problems I had with both rumbles. Zelina Vega under the ring. Actually, I dug. I kind of thought that was funny, and we got a Hornswoggle appearance, which is amazing. You know who Hornswoggle is? I have no idea. Hornswoggle oh, is a small wrestler who wears a leprechaun outfit occasionally. And oh, I do under It's the one ring. of those things that you're like, how does WWE still get yes. away with this one? And I didn't want to laugh. I didn't want to laugh at it, but it made me laugh, yeah. and I chuckled, and then he chased the Zelina Vega from underneath the ring out. So that was pretty great. woke. It, it was woke. It was very woke. Uh, <laughs> Everything so, about it was woke. <laughs> uh, so Jeff Jarrett was the great. literal only, uh, from what I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the only legacy-like classic legend star that was in either of the Rumbles. How long has Samoa Joe been around? Current Angles, but he's Kurt Angles still a part of the current program, yeah, so I don't true. necessarily count is him. Is Samoa Joe active right now? Mm-hmm. He was oh. in there. Yeah, but is he, he's like active on Monday Night Raw and stuff? Mm-hmm. He choked out Kurt Hall. Oh yeah, he kept putting that choke on to like everybody in, on the planet. He had no other move. Yeah, he <laughs> did that. choke out. He everybody choked everybody knows. out. Um, so Jeff Jarrett comes out at the beginning, and I was like, okay, this is fine. And then we keep going, and the talent that came I into the ring. Jeff Jarrett's job to Elias with the guitar shot. See, but I—that's the only part of it. Producer Jim Hardy feels some kind of way about this, people. <laughs> because I felt like he was passing on the mantle of guitar shots, because. Jeff, that was Jeff Jarrett's thing, right? He but sang. then, like the next night, him and Road Dog came out, and Road, I was just like, "Oof, that was it's rough. been that it's was been way too long, Road Dog." <laughs> oh, you didn't know that I got old. I'm the sorry. fact that they sang was that. That was bit. tough, man. Them singing was that. That didn't pay off. I read the comments on the video on YouTube on WWE's YouTube account. People loved it. Yeah, I know. So I look do more power thing, to you. But yeah, I was that's one of those where I would flip the channel. But like it's one of those I want, you know, I want a few. I don't want it to overtake it. And I don't need Undertaker. But I need like I want no, a I DDP. Need, listen, you bring Undertaker a... in, the next person reaches the ring before he does <laughs> in the Royal Rumble. That's your, and the event is already long enough. So you better put like, him in like seventh before, or eighth. Man, the Undertaker. How long before they're just like wheeling out an actual like corpse that needs to be undertaken <laughs> to like the ring? Honestly, like, the last time he was in the ring, it was close. Yeah, it was pretty. It bad. was very close. It's pretty rough. But like, but, okay. <laughs> But even then, like I didn't think the Men's Royal Rumble had any really good surprises at all. I, I kind of enjoyed the New Day's little stunts on not getting eliminated. Hey, Those were hey, fun. Hey, I rep for New Day because there's a Kofi and we are Legion. Co- we are, yeah. We're like a hive. That's fair. So here's but, the thing. But, but, but let me ask you this, man. What would be a good surprise besides someone like Batista or The Rock or Stone? But like, that... But that but I want Batista. I was, I was so hoping for Batista. So if they bring Batista. Batista back, they bring Batista back and he enters and he loses... That's fine. Was it worth it? Most people who yeah, enter... Absolutely. I mean, lose. I would have been thrilled. I would have jumped off yeah. the couch if I saw Batista, The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, anybody from the Attitude. Maybe he was there. You could have had HBK so in there. still that you just kidding this? never knew. Yeah. I want some... Cla- that's part of the fun of it. You know, every now and then, like when they brought Boogeyman in or, you know, whatever, right? That's... Yeah, he's going to go out the next match, but you won't care. But, like, instead of... Now, what I will say, as a positive, because I like to be positive. Oh, boy. <laughs> is no that, way. yes, there weren't stars of that caliber. However, the people that came from NXT, NXT UK, sure. and the Mae Young Classic, 
all they all had starring. So, but you had to shots. be a deep cut fan to enjoy. Alistair that. Black comes out. That's a pop. No one cares about Alistair Black. Al okay, Johnny Gargano. No one cared about. They did not. It was silent. It was silent. What sound like hearing this? If you're not like a hardcore <laughs> wrestling fan. <laughs> It's like Mr. Duda came out and choked out. <laughs> I thought, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna point something out. And then out. the little dipper jumped off the top rope Listen. and kicked Seamus's little helper in the shin. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think, crazy, man. I think that the women's division is so much stronger than the men's division. But the stunt with Nia Jax at the end, I was like, this is stupid. I hated that. I thought it was kind of entertaining to like yeah. the concept of Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton and everybody having to like gang up to eliminate her to make her out as this huge strong superstar. But I was just like, that's your that's your end here. Like that Dolph Ziggler was kind of a surprise, I guess, since he's supposed to not be uh, he's supposed to be on hiatus with WWE. But like for our truth, when our truth came out, thirty, I was like. Really, this is it? And then Nia Jax came out and pulled the same thing she pulled with Lana. I was like, all right, so this guy's not gonna be able to compete, so they're gonna have a surprise 30th contender yeah. because for some reason Nia Jax took out our truth. <laughs> and then it was Nia Jax. And I was like, why? She's not gonna go headline WrestleMania. In no world is Nia Jax gonna win the Rumble. In no world is Nia Jax gonna compete. Maybe somewhere down the line, she gets some somehow yeah. a, a, a female superstar gets a shot at the WWE championship with a male superstar i'm not saying that's out of the realm of possibility it was not going to happen last night with or at not last night last week this weekend with nia Jax at the royal rumble and i was like at no point was i convinced that was possible so i was like give me someone better please they didn't i was disappointed so i need to know we... it could have been staged stop it <laughs> so i know we need to move on to however what i will say is yeah, that wrap this up for us for i am i am lost in a whirlwind <laughs> of names and people i am split and... on nia's thing because i too was like oh man that's lame because i wanted I just want. I was hoping they would do the same thing with Becky. You'd come out. It would be Kenny Omega, and that, of course Batista. I lost big on that. Batista, whatever. I thought I would want that. When she went in, though, I love the idea behind it. I love the idea of taking a female wrestler and putting her in the ring with the men and going, "No, I can hold my own in this ring." I love the idea behind it. Nia Jax is not the right character or the right person to do that with because the audience hates her and I, I, I know <laughs> so, wwe is staged and scripted but like they're trying to take this realistic approach as we kind of saw in the awful daniel bryan aj styles match yeah, like they want to do like technical type stuff physically that is not realistic i mean i could see her taking out our truth arch <laughs> i could see her taking uh, out dude, ziggler i don't She's fight it i feel uh, randy orton a guy like randy, randy orton no but then randy again, orton would not have trouble Beating up Nia Jax. That's, yeah, I agree. I think, I but think. I love the idea behind it. I just don't think it was executed well. Also, can I just give a quick props to Casey, and I always mess up her last name, I'm gonna say, Cantazaro, who, oh, had, Ninja Warrior. who stole the show from both Kofi Whoa. and Naomi. And hey, had the best get back in the ring. The handstand. Wait, the yes. Ninja Warrior the girl? She yes. got eliminated and she she did a full handstand outside the ring because she got eliminated. She, she didn't get eliminated. She went over the top rope and walked back to the ring on her on hands. On her hands. And it, then it pulled herself up like with pure core to get yeah. on the pylon. She's a and beast. Then yeah, she awesome. wrapped her legs around the pylon and did a sit-up to get back in the <laughs> ring. I was like, was that's unreal. impressive. Uh, I yeah. saw her on G Street in San Diego one year during Comic-Con and I was... 
So starstruck. And congrats so starstruck. to R-Truth on the consolation prize. Of All right. Well, that wraps it up for Royal Rumble and WWE. I can't say that I know anything <laughs> now more than when we started, but... Uh, you know who Hornswoggle is? Yeah, I do know who Hornswoggle oh, is. Big. That that's little. WWE. I mean, that's big. Somebody probably needs to go down there and do some uh, woke review of that place. But uh, <laughs> moving right along. Now, to go from wrestling to a much also more lighthearted topic. So... You might have heard, if you're in any way involved in comic book or geek culture, then you've probably heard both kind of last at the end of last year and now again this week uh, some of the controversy that's come up with real-time host uh, Bill Maher, who hosts, like I said, real-time with Bill Maher on HBO. Uh, Bill Maher's been kind of going in on comic book culture ever since Stan Lee died. Um, he, at first, kind of indicated in a blog because his show was off when Lee passed and, you know, there were all these celebrations of Stanley's life and his show was on uh, a break. And so he wrote this blog kind of condemning, not condemning Stanley, but saying that he created a culture that basically has made a generation of people more infantile into adulthood and created this kind of arrested development culture that is responsible for a lot of the problems we now have, he did some kind of way to link us to the election of Trump and all this stuff, and people got heated. So his show is back now, and at the end of every show, he does a segment called New Rules, where it's basically a soapbox where he gets to do a whole diatribe about something or another. And this week, he decided that, you know, in the midst of all the corruption and government <laughs> stuff and political stuff that is going on currently, he was going to come for comic book culture fans. John Oliver, he is not. Yeah, no. So he uh, <laughs> he put together this whole new rules, just basically coming at it. And I'll just read you some of the choice quotes that I pulled out of this little segment he said. Okay, here we go. And this is Bill Maher, and I'll try to put on my best smarmy Bill Maher voice. I'm agnostic on Stanley. I didn't read comic books. I didn't even read them when I was a child. What I'm saying is, a culture that thinks that comic books and comic book movies are profound meditations on the human condition is a dumb effing culture. He later said, you can if you want, like the exact same things you liked when you were 10. But if you do, you need to grow up. That was the point of my blog. I'm not glad Stan Lee is dead. I'm sad you're alive. And that was kind of the capper for yep. his new rules. So, basically, um, let me just first say, I am a Bill Maher fan. I know a lot of people who have heard this within comic book culture, which is funny, their first reaction is, who the F is Bill Maher? <laughs> and why is he saying anything? Yeah. yeah. And that's fair enough. I am a Bill Maher fan. I like him. I like his shows. I've liked him since the politically incorrect days. I like his kind of unbridled take on things like politics. I like, um, and I like his format of his show, which, you know, is kind of, to the left leaning, but also balances and brings people from the right, like Ann Coulter was on this same show where they're dissing Stanley. So I like his show. I do not like Bill Maher about this. I think he's absolutely wrong. I think he's, you know, full of crap in a lot of ways. And when he first did the blog post, I went on Twitter and it got a good response and just kind of snarkily said to him, like, basically saying, you know, when like a aging childless, unmarried pothead <laughs> tells you about growing up, you should probably stop and listen. And I do think, you know, without taking personal shots at Bill Maher, like, I think what he's saying is wrong. I think comic books, while, and while the, I will, we'll get into this, but I will, I do think there is some truth to what he's saying. I don't think you can throw the baby out with the bathwater with yeah. the whole culture. That's ridiculous. 
And like I said, there's a lot of ways and you could come at Bill Maher who doesn't believe in getting married or having children and, and just likes to sit around and, you know, feed his ego through his show and smoke pot all day and, and say, like, what do you have to tell me about growing up or like what's childish? But, you know, let's just leave that aside. What I will say is I think it's hard to argue at this point that comic books can't be higher forms of literature or cinema. I mean, that's just an like an asinine comment. You're living in like the early 2000s trying to make yeah. that argument. You you are ignoring, you know, plenty of ample evidence in front of your face that says there are great literary minds who put their efforts into comic books as well as books as well as films. Like if you're an artist, your mode of expression, you you, you don't really rank your mode of expression. Like, if you were Alan Moore and you write a good book or you write a good graphic novel or Neil Gaiman is another example, you write a good book or a good graphic novel, you write Sandman or American Gods, and the culture has embraced both and both have found their way into the culture and really inspired people. I think comic books are, and I make this argument a lot because it comes up with the movies a lot. There's a lot of misunderstanding about comic books and what they are as an art form and as a literary art form. They are wholly unique because what they are what are called like butterfly novels. A comic book is basically something, an idea, yeah. a fantastical idea that somebody works on. Then they hand it over to a new creative team of people and say, now put your stamp on it. And then they change it and mold it and, and tweak it. And then they do it for a while. And then they hand it to somebody else. And it gets passed on through this culture. As we've gone on, thankfully, there's more and more diverse kind of creative influences getting put into these comic book characters, new characters of a wide array being created. Um, they update and change with times to reflect the times and to reflect themes of the times. It's a very unique medium. It has endured for so long for a reason, and it's not just because it sells kids' cereal. Yeah. Comic books are like video games, and I think we're in a unique place in history in which they've evolved with us as we've grown up. Yes. Like... Games have gotten more sophisticated as we've gotten older, and same thing with comic books. There's a level of comic book I don't read now versus one I do read versus when I was a kid, I read that other one and yeah. didn't bother with the ones that I read now. So I think it is kind of crazy of him to say this. Like I said, I think if you were making this argument in the 2000s, it was good. As a also literary nerd, I will also point out that he was kind of at one point, Bill Maher was kind of citing people, great literary that, greats, yeah. who are people we should read. First of all, he threw in Michael Eric Dyson, which <laughs> I'm just, nice to plug your buddy's book, but, you know, get out of here. Trying to, like, throw that out here is the same kind of thing. But he mentioned Herm, uh, Herman Melville and Moby Dick, which is funny because Herman Melville, if you know anything, and he's saying these are people who should be, like, were rock stars yeah. and, you know, should still be. Herman Melville in Moby Dick was not appreciated in its day. It's like the horror story of being a writer. Like, Moby Dick was looked at as a, not literature, as a piece of crap, because it was mostly just details about whaling and the whaling industry. Is like, if you ever read that book, that's what a lot of it is in the beginning up until like the very yeah. end with the whale hunting. And he died unpopular in Moby Dick and thinking it was a failure for decades before that book like when whaling ended and that whole culture disappeared and started to disappear. And then it became this very important kind of capture of that history before it became this larger story with the themes about obsession and stuff. So like literature is 
often, not even like sometimes, often not even appreciated for what it is in its day. It takes time and space and scope and changes in time to kind of make you realize how prophetic or insightful it was. And comic books can be the same way. So trying to kind of conflate this idea that, you know, literature comes out and is instantly awesome and is yeah. sophisticated and everybody should appreciate it is, is so untrue. And it just shows that you maybe don't have the grip on this that you should, Bill Maher, and maybe stick to your lanes. So, um, unless you have a prevailing thought, I was going to jump in. Oh, I have, I have a good bit to say, okay. but you can take yeah, it feel, away. I feel like he's about to go on a tirade. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, uh, so for me, I come from the Kofi camp of, I actually, I've been a Bill Moore fan for a long time. I was until, I say that, I was until the last few years. Um, I enjoyed politically incorrect, real time. I, I, I enjoyed his, at times, brash, but always uh, pleasantly unfiltered take on politics, on things, uh, directions we should be moving towards. And as my also political views have kind of changed over time, I still found ways that even though I didn't agree with him half the time, I still found nuggets of like, you know, but he makes a good point here. Over the last few years, though, that has changed. And I even, uh, I even tweeted uh, the night like this all happened. I feel like with Bill Maher, he left nuance behind a couple years ago. Everything started to feel like the ramblings of an old man. Someone very much he became the caricature of uh, your um, get off my lawn, right? That's that's how he's become more and more. Even on his show, he brings on uh, conservative, viewpointed people, and then preaches over them and yells at them. And typically, most often than not, they're punching bags. Aside from the ones that can actually are just as bad as he is, and Coulter, right? I saw that conversation. They're just as bad. He's as extreme as the people he preaches against. So over the last few years, his, his uh, viewpoints have become more and more muted to me. The respect meter has gone down. It, it is, because he's, and so now when he gets to this, he's literally, that's, that's desperation. That's all it reeks of. It's, it's a thing of yeah, being relevant making, and snarky because you can't yeah, I was going to ask, do you think, I mean, he saw the response the blog post got. Yeah, and that's stupid, right? At the end of the day, he runs a show that... Makes its bones on publicity, right? Yeah. So you you see this as a calculated move. I see that as a calculated. My, my biggest thing is not actually my biggest disagreement with it is not the literature and comic side, though I agree with like your points. Yeah. I, I find a lot of flaws in that just as a topic as itself. But my issues with because later on in that same video he goes on to expound on that and plug away at the fact that these people, and he called out like Kevin Smith and some other people, yeah. right? But he, he talks about this people, um, this group of people that can't be adults. He has a problem with the word adulting. He has a problem with a lot of things of this, like the, the generations that have come since. And he looks at them as if you can't be, and he says things along these lines. Essentially that you can't be a fully functional adult and still like things that you liked in your childhood. He, he talks about that a couple times of like growing up. I've got, you know, I'm not going to say it here, but he says a couple things along those lines. And my issue, that, that is the part that's insulting. Someone who's raised a daughter to someone who has a family to someone who's well-liked, who's been able to function in society and is relatively intelligent. I'm not stunted in emotional growth. I'm not stunted in, in the intellect. So for, to call someone like me yeah. that and to say that I cannot function in society purely because of the fact that I tend to like a character that's got a helmet and a blue and red costume 
is insulting. That, that's insulting yeah, You also touched on something that I don't think I pulled out the first time that's important. It's like his view about that, it, it, I never realized it until you just said, you know, somebody raising a daughter. Like his view on that totally misses the entire perspective of parenting, right? Yeah. Which is one of the great joys if you talk to any parent, you know, you know, the lack of money, the lack of sleep and all that other crazy stuff you have to deal with. But one of the great joys for any parent is how having a kid makes things that you loved in your childhood new again. Yeah. Because you get to re, or at least try, your kids could <laughs> totally reject them, but you can try to reintroduce them to things that you loved as a child. And when it clicks and they love things, like it's, it's one of the best bonding experiences you can have. And so, like, yeah, I mean, like, every Comic-Con dad who's with his kid and in costume and that, I don't look at that guy and be like, man, what an adult loser. I'm like, what a great effing dad that guy is. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Goes the extra mile, you know, Batman kid, like, you know, those parents, things like that. Like, should have been like, son, you're going to die. Let's just start focusing <laughs> on less childish things. Like, yes. That's it, man. Like, I'm, I don't know where the line from childhood to adult ends, like, what... What year do you get to in your life where you're like, oh, I'm an adult now. I'm a 27-year-old guy, 27-year-old single guy, no kids. I am still in love with comic books and the characters. My apartment is covered in Hot Toys figures and Legends figures and <laughs> Lego figures. Dude, like I've had a girl come over and take a picture of my shelf because she's like, I've never seen something like this before. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a 27-year-old guy. I love all that stuff. Does that make me a kid? No, I'm pretty sure I'm doing okay. I have the Comic Book Nation podcast I'm on, so I think I turned out okay. But no, like... Dude, <laughs> nice plug. Always be plug. <laughs> <Bill, laughs> like, it's like, all right, congratulations, Bill Mayer, Bill Maher. I didn't know how to say his name until I heard you say it because I didn't listen to the guy. Clearly quite successful at his job, so good for you, Bill. Um, you, It worked. We're talking about you. Your shock value paid <laughs> off. You hit an audience that doesn't otherwise talk about you, so here we are doing what you wanted us to do. Um, and I get it, like it's media. I know a thing or two about clickbait. I've learned you should actively avoid it because you're just gonna piss people off. Sometimes pissing people off works for some yeah, people. We also know about flame, it does like flaming up some fans and getting yeah. them to yeah. go to war. I, like, I, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like we talked about earlier. Sometimes you piss the wrong people off, it could cost you. But to do this with Stan Lee was the most disgusting and awful time to do that. Stan Lee yeah. stood as a symbol for incredible things. He was an inspirational person. He helped build something. He was kind of the, he had other people helping him, but he was the figure that built something. He got people to believe in something. He grinded, he worked, he was creative. He didn't give up what he wanted to do. And in doing that, he created a major product, one of the biggest businesses in the world. But he also created characters, not only that people attach to, that they find themselves in, and they find ways to make themselves better, as a result of seeing them. But he created characters like the X-Men at a time where the world was going through some real serious stuff, where minorities were having a really hard time in the world and they weren't being represented. And he created the X-Men to say, you know what, we can do that. And then other characters that Stanley helped create and Marvel Comics helped create, created a character that Ryan Coogler as a kid got to walk into a comic book shop and see himself in and say, I like that character. And guess what? Ryan Coogler went on. He made a movie about it. It's one of the highest grossing movies of all time. It was a cultural phenomenon. Yep. And now it's nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. So tell me how that's child's play. Yeah, and you see something like Chadwick Boseman's speech at the SAG Awards, and it's like, you know, that all roots back to Stanley. Tell me None how that's child's that play. I think that's stupid, yeah. idiotic. Congratulations. We talked about you. That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> now, now that we've railed against Bill Maher, let's take a couple uh, take a couple of minutes to end this up. We will talk about maybe some like I try to be fair and like I try to be 
even killed and just see to both sides of things because it's good for perspective and it's part of my adulting. So here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there is some truth to what he has said in the sense that there are people that take it too far. And I'll give you an example. I was at Toy Fair a couple years ago in Manhattan and it was when they were kind of introducing the Star Wars Legends, the Black series. They were introducing a new line and and they were reintroducing Transformers as a big new line where they were, it was when they were taking Transformers finally back to the simple design. And I was in the room and these were like the two major headlining events of this toy fair. When they got to Transformers, okay? I don't think I've ever been so <laughs> disturbed at seeing a room full of grown men like get so upset when like the guy was just trying to go through like what the troubles at Hasbro had been with like these overly complex yeah. Transformers. And you could just hear people in the crowd. And these are reporters. This is not like a public event. Like flipping out about it. Like screaming and like, you know. And then when they showed them like the simplistic ones, people were like falling out in excitement and like fainting and stuff like that. And this was like a room of professional. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like not literally fainting, but they were just like, they were swooning. You know, like they, were getting, they were feeling some kind of way. And it was like, and I've also been at like toy fairs where, or like, you know, events where they give away the toys at the end and seeing a room full of grown people tear each other apart to get their hands on action figures. And like, yeah, that's a little extreme Turbo to man. Me. Yeah. Like straight up jingle all the way. Like, yeah. But in this I, I and in like that that level of it is <laughs> like when it becomes and when you get to the toxic fandoms of people like the Star Wars people who are ruining actors' yeah. lives. People do that for sports. Oh, I know. I it's get the it. Same but thing. like but I'm just saying in this case, calling that out and saying like, sure. yeah. yeah, that's a little too childish. Like you gotta separate yourself like no, it works. Like I think he, all of us I mean, we work do. at a place called comicbook.com, yeah. right? But if there's something up with like or like real things happening in my life, like I also know how to switch gears from like what new underwear Captain America's getting to like the real stuff I got to yeah, deal with right. with my family or my kids or anything, and I know how to walk and chew gum. I mean, we all <laughs> we all have to come to that. work. It's... We have to literally come to work and deal with a bunch of fantasy every day while dealing with real stuff right outside these doors yeah. all the time. Yeah. And it's not like I come in here and retreat and be like, do a pirouette into the room and be like, here we are, and I'm a kid again, and like, let's just forget all our problems. Like, I was writing no. a Batman article. We yesterday. literally look up Captain America's that underwear and things that are happening in politics, like <laughs> side by side all day, and we're all over the place yelling about it in this office. So, At the like, same time, I do just want to say, I think that the crowd of grown individuals and young individuals at a Comic-Con event is the most welcoming friendly crowd you're going to find anywhere. You're talking you're not, about behavior, not smell, correct? Couple, <laughs> couple showers to be had, but listen, sleeping on the sidewalk is no easy task. Yeah. I get it, and it's San Diego, it's hot. But like, dude, you're not going to go, you don't, you look at social media after a playoff game and like, there's some viral posts about fans fighting in the stands. I've never seen people never. get in a Not fight at San Diego Comic-Con. Never like, the city of Philadelphia. It's <laughs> Go Eagles. But current Super Bowl champions for a couple more days. Yeah. Uh, but like the, 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 the crowd at this event, no matter the age, we've been trained by these things we like and the people who also like it to be friendly and welcoming. And it's the best crowd. There, there is no audience like our audience. Like It's the friendliest, best group of people. And sure, there's some duds in the bunch that could have been better people and that's in every group like you're always yeah. going to have somebody who gets focused on because they're the one that people are they're more fun to talk about than the one that is everyone else that is very welcoming and kind and generous and 
doing it right. Yeah, I mean, Raised we right. could make this. I mean, it could. Do you think? I mean, is it fair to say you can make this argument that Bill Maher's making to anybody who takes the thing they're into too seriously? Yes. Yeah. In like any sports. Thing. Yeah. Or, or the thing that he's into, politics, right? Like, yeah. if a person who's like, you've seen people who are just walking like slogans for every you know new political headline mm-hmm. that comes out. Like, nobody wants to be that person. I've seen way party. more fights at political rallies than at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, growing up is kind of a loaded term, isn't it? Like, yes. what's childish versus what's not. I don't think that, yeah, like you said, liking something I've liked. I mean, it's, and it's kind of specious to say that, you know, Captain America or the Avengers or all that stuff is the same as it was when I was a kid. No, it evolves. It's the WWE. We just talked about it. Yeah. I grew up a fan of WWE. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a I fan was going to tie this all together by saying it's crazy that a man could come for comic book culture, but like totally leave wrestling culture. <laughs> We're grown sure adults oil up and slap fight, and like nobody I did, has a problem I, with that. I did love. Uh, I did love Kevin Smith's response. Oh, his, yeah. To when he posted the clip yeah. of him being on so the just show if you previously. Have Kevin, yeah, if you haven't followed this, Kevin Smith posted a great response in which it shows him just like leaning into a picture with Bill Maher and him just basically being like, oh, I know Bill talks tough, but like and then the he video loves was to great. smoke weed with me and just like he's a pussycat with me. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, person, yeah. like, yeah. It's okay. always different when you when you stop being a keyboard Is it definitely Maher and, and not Mayer? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Bill Maher. So everybody says Bill Maher. I was just yeah. kidding. No, I genuinely don't know. But uh, but so. I and I and I agree with your previous point though of there are those yes we've all encountered people that, yeah the the man children yes. or the but I see those people children. at Walmart and they have nothing to do with comics no you see a lot of things at yeah. Walmart I see people at Walmart who can't Walmart's a different who can't story. get themselves out of their sweats and their flip flops <laughs> I see like, those people nothing to do with comics who, okay so people who need a shower more just waited in line for Hall H overnight or like. 25% of the Walmart. Shopping. Exactly. And it's just like... I don't know which one. Yeah, like I said, growing up is a very loaded term about like what it is. And adulting, things like adulting, that's not... I mean, he just tries to tie these things together that just don't tie together. Yeah. Like, it wasn't comic book culture that got Trump elected. Yes. If anything, comic book culture is probably made up of more people who did not do that. Like, yeah. as opposed, like, we can read fantasy stories, but like, we know fantasy life from real life, too. Like, in real things from fake things and... Stuff like that. Yeah. I don't even know where I'm just like spiraling out in my anger right now. Iron Man 1, Tony Stark would have voted for Trump. I don't think Avengers Infinity or Tony Stark would have voted for Trump. Man, that's Well, I don't know. He's making a lot of money. That bow bow is impressive. Yeah, he wants those tax breaks. You know, you never know with Tony. (laughs) That's true. He has like the 1%. It's all about the money. But like, yeah. And just like, yeah, like I'm saying, like tying together things like the adulting trend to being... Infantile or like arrested development from comic book culture. Uh, I don't even know if those are the same audiences. Everybody who's like 25 to 30 right now loves to say like adulting, it's just part of their generation, yeah, it's part of the hashtag generation. Well, it's, it's like anything, like the music like, he yeah. probably liked back when he was younger was not held to the same respect that it is now. It's because things change, right? It's, it's every genre, of, it's anything. It's those movies of that time. It's those that music of the time. It's it's art, artistic expression. It always changes with you. And when you grow up with it, you assume it's normal, so you identify with it. It's every generation has this. So I don't understand like how clueless someone can be to that fact. It hasn't changed. My question in all this is. Can we get Cardi B to defend comic book culture the way she's jumped into political culture? Because I feel like we need her right now. 
Cardi Bill, Ma- Bill Maher needs to be threatened to be dog walked, maybe, and he'll settle down. It seems to be an effective uh, policy we're exploring in 2019. She's very intense, and those nails are. Very, I I I kind of scared. Of Can Bill thing. Maher get Joe Budden to unretire? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a verse? I just want him to respond to Eminem. That's all I want. Can I make that happen? Thank you. <laughs> well, I think to wrap this all up, you know, we try to keep a clean podcast here, but we can just say, uh, you know, suck a lemon, Bill Maher. We'll use some uh, 1950s. There it is. Suck a lemon on this. He'll understand that. I mean, I'm a tune into real time again, so I don't know what effect this had, but like, you're wrong for this, Bill. Like, that's about it. I hope this is the last time we talk about him on this podcast. I hope so too. It depends how much how much juice he's getting out. I'm so mad that he got 30 minutes from us. (laughs) Hey, hey. I'm like Migos. I got to defend the culture. Oh God! (laughs) (laughs) Don't bring the mumbles into this. <laughs> Why, man? Can you get like Bill Maher had to see that like new, a Bill Maher flare drip. I'll be the Ooh, high man in the back. Oh, there it is. You brought it back home. Wait a minute. All right, all right. Let's get out of here. So that's going to do it for us today here at Comic Book Nation. I want to thank you for uh, rocking with us. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and you can find me on Twitter at kofioutlaw.com. You can find me on at Matt Mueller CB. And you can find me on all of social media at Brandon Davis PD and on our Comic Book Now show, Facebook.com slash Comic Book Now, where After the Dead comes back this Sunday, uh, next Sunday, February 10th, Woo! Uh, for a new episode of the same page, Facebook.com slash Comic Book Now, and right here on the Comic Book Nation podcast. And as for us here at Comic Book Nation, we will be posting new episodes every Wednesday and Friday now that we are up and running. And there are several ways you can listen to us. You can listen to us uh, when we post new episodes on the uh, player on ComicBook.com. You can subscribe to this RSS feed we have going, and there's a link in uh, our episode posts that you can just click and subscribe to, which is probably a good, easy way to do it. You can listen to us on Spotify or on Stitcher, and we have links in the posts that will take you to exactly where you need to be. And if you're an iTunes user, we will have that coming soon. So after the show, you can always follow and keep discussing the things we've been discussing at the Comic Book Nation hashtag, which is just hashtag Comic Book Nation. Or you could reach out to any one of us at our Twitter handles, which we just gave you, or comicbook.com at comicbook. And we'd love to keep talking with you guys as we go through the show. Like we said, it's meant to be interactive and take us from behind off the desk and help us talk about things in a deeper fashion and also interact with you. So be sure to reach out. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next episode. 